Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. What you'll find here are some recent musings about the God of the Bible and living in such a way as to bring Him pleasure. Happy musing. Here you have a teaching that I gave in the early 2000s in our Santa Cruz church on the topic of simplicity and generosity. It's one of a series that I did there and have shared via podcast, some of which are recordings like this one and others are done at my kitchen table. You'll notice that during this particular recording, I break every now and then to interact about the subject in the scriptures with the congregation there. Well, on the recording, I'll leave a brief pause in between those sections in case you want to pause it even longer in order to think about what's being said. You'll also notice that several times I refer to a list of passages on each of the subtopics that I don't read on the recording. Well, I put those on my blog at musingthemysteries.wordpress.com in a post by the same title as this, Simplicity and Generosity. And I hope you'll take time to look at that post for some additional introductory remarks that I make there, and then the large number of verses that I compiled and shared with our congregation at the time. Anyway, I hope this is all helpful to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear from you with any feedback that you have, uh, either pro or con as the case may be. So happy listening and healthy, simple living. I've always admired Joe and Tammy's commitment to uh, simple life, simplicity, what we've been talking about. And they, they live this out in a lot of ways. And uh, I thought I'd ask him, kind of interview him a little bit about that. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, how do you prioritize uh, purchasing things? How do you, uh, do you have a way of doing it, or is it just kind of second nature probably now, but if you thought back about the root of how you prioritize about what you buy in life, how do you do that? Well, I guess the main thing that comes to mind is that um, we decided early in our marriage not to have debt be a part of our experience. So even though we've had credit cards, we always pay them off every month. So we live within our means, and so I guess part of the decision is can we pay it off this month? Yeah. You know, right on. We do have a mortgage now, so we, that we yeah. don't pay that off in a month. But, yeah. uh, you know, we buy our cars and whatever else when we have money to, to buy them. So Anything else about that? Of course, tithing first. Okay. Um, this is what I was, I paid them to say this part. <laughs> no, I didn't. And we did that before we were even married, but just continued it on. And so mm-hmm. right when you, right, right. I, I, I get the privilege of doing that. So as soon as I enter into um, the checkbook, ours is automatically deposited, but I have to write it in the checkbook, so I write the check out for the tithe right then wow. when I enter it in. And so that kind of, then I kind of run a balance, and know how much is left. Sometimes there's not enough for the house payment, so you have to transfer money from savings to mm-hmm. pay the house payment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Other times there is. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> But that kind of helps you see how much um, 
And I don't, I don't use the credit card actually for anything myself because I like to see um, how much money we actually have. And I, I love my little check card because I love using a card that I don't have to remember mm -hmm. um, the date and the store I'm in. And I, I, I still have to remember my name. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it helps. I like using the card, but it, I enter it right away in my checkbook so I know how much I'm spending. And that, that helps because then I'm not spending a month ahead of, of my income. I don't like that. Yeah. Our income. Good. How do you think uh, living in South America did that for seven years? Was it seven years you guys were in Chile? Did that impact you in this regard at all, or were you already headed, did, you were just already in this mode of living simply, and uh, so it helped you live there? I mean, did it impact you, do you think? And, and if so, how? It's funny because I was just talking with Gabe about, about that. Uh, when we got back from Chile, it was hard uh, to adjust to the materialism in our society. I remember Christmas was especially hard. We went to, um, well, in Halloween, um, I was like, what happened while we were gone? Suddenly Halloween became this big deal, um, and people must have an awful lot of money that they have nothing to do with. And, um, and at Christmas, that first year we got back, we got back in uh, August, yeah. Um, we went to a big, you know, in Sacramento area show with everybody wearing gold lame. It was a church. And, this is Halloween <laughs> and they had Christmas. a big disco ball. Christmas. No, Christmas. Christmas. And I was just like, man, they could build a church in Chile for the cost of this Christmas presentation. Mm. And not that I'm judging that it's sure. bad to do that because no. in certain areas it's, you know, it could be appropriate. But it, boy, it broke my heart. But I was just talking with Gabe this morning that it was funny while we were in, in Chile, um, Santa Cruz got more snooty. <laughs> Really? <laughs> and, you know, suddenly there were all these coffee shops and, you know, Gail's Bakery that used to be this, you know, it was here before we left, but it was, you know, mellow. And when we got back, it was quite snooty. And, you know, there's places like... It used to be a bakery, right. And then it became this, you Does know... Does anybody work at Gail's here? We're sorry if that's... No, the, it's, no. <laughs> it's fine. But I still don't feel like I fit in. No. And when no. I go to these places, I like start... I feel like I'm, you know, a misfit. And... <laughs> And, but that's partly just me. It's not anything, you know, to necessarily boast about. It could be something to be ashamed of. But, <laughs> but, it, but it is something I noticed uh, coming back. I used to feel like I kind of fit in, and yeah. I didn't feel like I fit in as much yeah. because people became more, um, I don't know, uh, obsessed with, with being not cool, but being uh, in. You know, we still don't have cell phones. And that I think it has impacted us that if you could live with no phone for yeah. six years, perhaps you could not have one with you all the time. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, it's, it's part, part of the effect of our decision for things like that. Not entirely. There's lots of other reasons and advantages, too, to not have one. I like what you said. I like everything you said. But I like what you said. Uh, it affected how we perceive our need. Because that, that's really the bottom line here, isn't it? How we perceive our need. And, um, and so I can see how being in another culture where those needs weren't met gives you a, a heightened awareness of, gosh, I really don't really, I don't absolutely essentially in order to inhale and exhale and my heart keep beating to have that. 
and uh, so good. That's a part of simplicity, isn't it? It's maybe it's a, a greater commitment to submitting to God about Lord. What are you? I tell you what. I'm not even sure what my needs are, Lord. So why don't you show me what they are, and then I'll just do. I'll live uh, responsibly and let you meet those needs, and maybe that will then be the determine a determine one of the determining factors in how I actually perceive those needs. Does that make sense? So it's giving it to God and then saying, well, meet my needs and uh, everything else must not be a need, Lord. Yeah, Joe. I just want to say when Barney first asked if we could do this, that yeah. I was apprehensive because I don't want to stand here and appear to be an expert on simplicity no. or to, you know, that we have this all dialed or that we don't make financial blunders and do things that we regret after sure. and say, oh, we... Sure. You know, but I'll tell you one thing I learned after making a financial decision and then going, that was hasty, we shouldn't have done that, we, we made a mistake, is that I came up with a, uh, an alliteration. So <laughs> Thank you. Since I knew that would please yeah. you. Yes. Um, to steer clear of sales pitches. You know, you get around salesmen, they're going to sell you stuff. You go places, you shop a lot, you're going to buy things. You go to car dealerships, you know, so mm -hmm. you know, steer clear of sales pitches. Mm -hmm. Say no, because you're going to get around sales pitches anyway, and we mm -hmm. just learn. Say no. No, thank mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. Not interested. No, no, no. <laughs> Steer clear. Say no. Save up. Mm. You know, if you really do need it, if mm -hmm. God really does intend you to have that, you don't mm -hmm. have to go in debt for it. Yeah. Save up. Yes. And then shop around. And not, shop be, around. not be stuck, you know, at right the on. impulse of the moment. I mean, how many things have we bought? Because at the moment, it just seemed like you yeah. You know, so Good. anyway, Good. those four things have helped me. Good. Thanks, you guys. Let's thank them. Let's thank the McCroskeys for this. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. I wanted to talk a little bit about another aspect of this uh, theme. Well, first of all, I found out from uh, online, and I have an announcement to make about my position in, the, in this world, is that I am the 57 millionth. 87,865th richest person in the world. <laughs> Online, there's this uh, website called globalrichlist.com, uh, and it will tell you, if you, if you enter your um, income, it'll tell you where you fit in the global economy. And so let me say again, well, here's what it really boils down to. I'm in the 0.95th percent. So within the, I am in the rich, I'm in the richest 1%. If you put your own income in there, you're going to be really in that same ballpark. So what that's saying is, generally speaking, that we are in the richest 1% of the world's uh, income. And so, uh, what is poverty? What would you say poverty is? Let's define poverty. What does it look like, do you think? I know, well, let's talk you know, kind of in extremes uh, because poverty is just like riches. It's relative, correct? But what would you say in general poverty looks like? Yeah. Not having enough to eat for you You're almost, you know, extreme forms, you're never full. Yes. You know, uh, most of the children who die around the world, and I'll tell you a statistic in a minute of the number that do, it's because of that right there, because of not clean water, yeah. Well, when you get sick, you die. You don't have a, you don't have a medical plan. 
Not only that, you don't have a hospital to go to, and if you, there were one, you couldn't get there, and you won't have any money to pay for it. Somebody else? No, shelter issues, not really having adequate shelter from the, uh, from the elements. Clothing issues, not having adequate clothing, and not having enough money to live month to month, or not having a check. Not having a job and really not having hope to ever, not necessarily having hope to ever have one. I mean, extreme forms where there just isn't going to be a job. It's going to be digging sweet potatoes out of the ground to sustain myself. How many of you have been in countries or places in the world where these kinds of uh, uh, characteristics are there? I have a friend, Ricardo, who came to this country from El Salvador, and he, his goal was to have two pairs of pants. That's all he wanted was to, have, to own two pairs of pants. When he visited some, after he'd been here for a few years, visited from uh, others from El Salvador that had come to San Francisco, they, they fed them, and they uh, fed them cat food uh, for two reasons. One, it was the only thing in the, in the store that they could afford, and two is they didn't know that's what we feed our pets. Almost half of the world, 3 billion people, live on less than $2 a day. And uh, I just absolutely, I was thinking through this, I absolutely just can't just read these bullet points out loud as statistics. So I'm just going to ask you to read them quite, uh, silently and then just take a moment to pray for the poor in the world. Uh, Richard Foster makes a good point when he says, don't ever use the word starving for what's happening to you when you missed lunch. Um, reserve it. It's more, of a, it's more of an intense word. Reserve it uh, for what it uh, really means. Uh, and it's probably something you'll never experience. Um, but I think simplicity and generosity go together. And I think simplicity is this attitude of heart that gets expressed on the outside as generosity for uh, people without. Um, I mean, Paul said that, right? 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, if I give all that I possess to the poor and don't have love, love's on the inside, giving all you have to the, that's on the outside, he said, I gain nothing. So it's got to be both. It's not, let's just go out of legalistic duty and uh, to, you know, uh, all giveaway we have and, uh, and, sell it and or sell it and give it to the poor. But let's have a heart that leads you know, under the direction of the Holy Spirit of how we should live in this way. Doug and Winnie were uh, a couple in their 80s that uh, were just moms and pops in our church for years. They've gone to be with Jesus now, but uh, I remember asking Doug one time, they lived extremely simply. You're ever in their home? Talk about simple living. And they both uh, worked into their 80s. Uh, selling vitamins and doing a repair business. And I remember asking Doug, are you, do you have enough work? Do you, are you, is it enough? Do you, do you, are your needs met from your work? You know, because they worked so hard. And he said, we don't work for, uh, for money for us. The only reason we work is to give money to missionaries. And it's not like they had a bunch of like this humongous savings either. I mean, they just lived frugally, so frugally, that they were able to live on whatever. I don't even know how they lived, 
but they worked so they could give money away. The Bible has the word poor in it 177 times, but the concept of poverty is in it hundreds more times than that. At your tables, would you like to look at these scriptures that I have uh, listed for you? These are not 177. These are just a few. And discuss what you learn from them about poverty, about the poor, from the Proverbs and the Gospels ones. We'll move on to the other ones, but I've listed them there for you. Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor. Did Judas care about the poor? I I, I doubt it. It doesn't say he didn't, but it also says he didn't say this because he did. So is that a bad thing when the money keeper doesn't care about what God cares about? That's a bad thing. Uh, I just want to, we're going to have a... uh, a council meeting Tuesday night, and I want to bring this up again. Can we talk about this again on Tuesday night? Because we, we hold the money bag, the council does. And we have to care about what God cares about. If you're the one who is the, keeps the finances in your house, you should care about what God cares about. The poor you always have with you. And here's my confession. My interpretation of this verse has always been, there's always going to be poor people, so it's just don't worry about it. There's always going to be poor people, so, you know, don't worry about it. I don't think, I never thought Jesus actually meant that, but it, it felt like permission to me to not worry about it as much. There are always going to be poor people. There's always going to be poor people, and I know right where they're going to be. They're always going to be around you guys. The reason they're going to be around you guys is because you're going to be around them. Because that's what we do. We're around poor people. That's what we do because we're, we're compassionate for poor people. And so you're, you guys are always going to have a bunch of poor people around you. They're, you're going to have the poor with you. So because of the kind of people you are. Um, I, have you noticed this in the, inner, in the cities? A lot of churches, uh, uh, the, the neighborhood changes and the poor move in. And what do the churches do? They move out. Not all, but... Some of them do. They move out. They go to the suburbs because our people don't live here anymore. Rather than look at it as, dude, what an opportunity to do some missions work, to do a different thing than God called us to 30 years ago. The neighborhood didn't change overnight. It took a while to do that. And if, and if so, then maybe what we should do is stay right here. I'm not condemning anybody who did the other because they had to hear the Holy Spirit on it. But they moved to the burbs. I think this is a true story of a little kid, a a 10-year-old boy, uh, a poor kid without shoes in December in New York City, standing in front of a shoe store, looking really intently in there. And a woman walked up and said, oh, you just look so intent. You know, what are you looking at? And he said, I was just asking God to give me a pair of shoes. So the lady took him by the hand and took him into the store and uh, asked the uh, shoe salesman to uh, get uh, a bunch of socks, uh, like a dozen pairs of socks, and a a bowl and a towel. And she washed the little boy's feet and uh, put some socks on his feet and bought him a pair of shoes and put the shoes on him and gave him all these socks. And and, uh, 
she said, you'll be a little bit, hope you'll be a little bit more comfortable now. And as she turned to go, the kid grabs her by the hand and, and looks up in her face. And with tears in his eyes, he says, are you God's wife? Are you God's wife? And you know what the answer to that is? Yes. I am the bride of Christ. And as such, I care about the things that he cares about. There's this, the poor in Acts. The first three references are pre-Christians who are caring for the poor. Tabitha and Cornelius, they weren't even Christians. Yesterday, I, I went someplace to uh, a food pantry in this uh, uh, poorer neighborhood and because uh, we're going to give some, uh, some turkeys to this neighborhood. And, and, but there's this, this couple that are, already, that are serving the poor in their neighborhood, and they had the, the second harvest truck down there, and they're handing out food and stuff. And I asked this couple that I don't think are relate, have a relationship with Jesus yet, why do you do this? They said, I don't know. I just, you know, and when you've been poor, you know what it's like, and so you help people. This isn't that what you do? And it's like a foregone conclusion to, to them. Paul on the poor. Do you want to look at those verses real quick? Just take a couple of minutes at your table, read the verses, and, and talk about what you learned from Paul on the poor. Jesus, my friend in God, no one's like you, Lord, no one's like you. Okay, you know this one in Galatians? Do you think Paul the Apostle had a lot of things vying for his attention? Do you think he had a few things to think about and to, you know, be eager about? But one of the, the only thing the Apostles asked him uh, in terms of qualification for his apostolic ministry, I mean, I don't know about the only thing, but they don't, it, you know, this passage is about their scrutiny of whether or not he is truly apostolic material. And he's saying, by supernatural uh, Circumstance, we all preach the same gospel, and it's just incredible because we met the same Jesus. And but the only thing they did say to me, the apostles, was I should really make sure to notice the poor. And I was already eager to do that. How cool is that? Meaning, they didn't like give him a doctrinal test as much as a lifestyle test. If he cares about the poor, that's pretty much good enough for us. I'm not saying they didn't care about the content of his message. I'm just saying his. The one thing he says in terms of the, the scrutiny was about his concern for the poor. Very cool thing, I think. And then, have you ever thought about the reason to work that Paul gives in Ephesians? That's the, somebody at our table said, you know, I actually thought about getting a Saturday job so I could make money on that day and give it all away. They haven't done it yet, but the fact of the matter is, how cool is that to even have that thought? Is that why you work? Martin Luther said, if our goods are not available to the community, they're stolen goods. Hudson Taylor gave two-thirds of his income away. And that's when he was a missionary to China. As a missionary, he gave two-thirds of his money away and said, my experience was that I, was I spent less, when I spent less on myself, the more I had to give others and the fuller my happiness and blessing. Okay. I'm going to ask you next week, during the week, to read the passages about the sin of Sodom. And I'm going to ask you to come back, oh, next week or the next, and let's talk about what the sin of Sodom was. I mean, I'm sure you already know, but you might want to look at these verses and revamp your view on what might be the sin of Sodom. Okay, will you do that?
And lastly, uh, E, come talk to us a little bit about, I, one of our stats was that how many children die a year due to poverty? Do you remember the statistic? 30, not a year, I'm sorry, a day, 30,000 a day die due to poverty. So talk to us about compassion. All right. Any chance I have to talk about compassion, I will take it. How many of you know what this thing is? Nope. When you want to seed something, you fill it up with seeds, and you twirl this thing around, and you open this little handle, and the seeds just... I needed to seed a really, really big space, and a friend of mine loaned me this contraption. It took me a while to figure out how to make it work. But it's really amazing, because you can really, I mean, I could fling seeds beyond the walls of this building, you know, farther away. It's really cool to watch it work. And uh, it doesn't take your leg off. It doesn't take that much effort. In about five minutes, you could seed that entire parking lot out there with seeds. And uh, you don't really have a much say where the seeds go, so you kind of choose, you know, which way you aim a little bit. But um, when Barney asked me about talking about compassion, you know, I get thinking about, I, I never really met any of the children that we sponsored. We've had five over the last 25 years, and, uh, but I get letters from them. And I went back to my compassion file to look at the letters and pictures and stuff, and I came across um, this letter that our latest child sent us to sent to us a couple of months ago. Let's get Christmas picture on the back. And her name is Ryan. She lives in um, Brazil, so it's written in Portuguese. And before I read the translation, I try to read it myself because you lose a lot in the translation. But this is what she said. So in the morning and also in the afternoon, because you don't know if all the seeds will grow or if one will grow better than the other. Beloved sponsors, Ron and Elizabeth. I hope this letter finds you fine. I am trying to spread the seeds that you have planted in my life. It's been very important to me to share, it, share them with my, the lives of my friends also. So, I don't even know this girl. I see a picture of her once in a while, and I just send a few little seeds her way when I write and tell her about God's love, and I send some money. And usually she buys herself a dress and chocolates, because she loves chocolate. And uh, then she writes me this letter where she says, I am trying to share the seeds that you have planted in my life. What do you say to that? <laughs> the good news is that 25 years ago, 40,000 children died of starvation every day. And today, it's only 30. So one is way too many, but we're making a difference. And there are a lot of really good organizations. I chose Compassion because they give over... 83% of what they take directly to the children. And uh, it's a really, really good organization. So 
if any of you want to know anything at all about compassion, please come and talk to me. Sponsoring a child is like $36 a month. I give up buying myself lattes and sponsored a second child. No big deal. So it's that easy.